Room for Two, Episode 13, I'm Dreaming of a Green Christmas. Welcome to Shroom for Two, the podcast about Plants vs. Zombies Heroes that is not yet acquired by Disney via merger. <laughs> I'm Mike. And I'm Taylor. Uh, happy Feast of Us, Mike. Yes, Happy Feast of Us. Hopefully all of you are logging in every day to see if you get something for free or if they're trying to sell you something you missed out on last time. I, once again, did not buy Zombology Teacher, but thought real hard about it. Yeah, me neither. I did. I did get a pretty uh, juicy event rewind. You could get the three event cards for two hundred fifty gems, and I got a garlic, which I missed the first time, a spirus, which I missed, and then a lily of the valley, which is probably about to get nerfed and is going to disenchant for full value. Um, so that was like the best two hundred fifty gems I ever spent. Well, you know what I got was I got my butt kicked in the finals of the budget tournament. That's true. Uh, congrats to Dad Vader for being such a boss. Yeah, that was a really good matchup. Like, he definitely deserves to win. Um, I knew I was in trouble when the the versus screen came up and he was already ranked 48. Mm. And that, that I think that was the first time I faced someone who was at a higher rank than I was in this tournament. And yeah, it went five games. I lost the first three. and Best uh, of seven. Yeah. Five games out of seven. So yeah. so you won one of them. Yeah, I, my Captain Combustible deck gave me another impossible seeming victory again at the last minute and uh the the other games i i made some bad decisions game one i got a i got a shooting starfruit conjured off of one of beta caratina's conjure cards and tried to play it as a field clear but he had the the disco butt waiting for me and Mm. i think that turn i took 10 damage and from there it was just too much to recover and other than that uh green shadow podfather kicked my butt a whole bunch which is a nice refreshing change from uh, being Green Shadow kicking my butt on the ladder so much. Like, mm-hmm. I've, I've been seeing a lot of that so far this season. Yeah, I mean, that deck's still really good. Um, but yeah, um, so so uh, Dad Vader's decks looked all quite strong. Um, very strong tribal elements, as you mentioned. Um, there was a uh, Professor Brainstorm uh, science tribal with, like, rares being cosmic scientist and... Um, the five minute two three that makes every science zombie do a bonus attack. That's just a lot of value for one card. You know, either drawing a good card or or making a bunch of attacks. Um, and uh, he just got there uh, with with strong strong decks. Also teched in a couple of the billiard zombie the the two mana three one with bullseye, which I think is one of the first cards you get when you first start playing zombies and. Held them until turn five and threw two of them down at once, and that mm. that three bullseye damage adds up really fast. So so good on them for for teching that sports card into a, an otherwise really impressive science deck. Yeah, and then there was uh, some heart choke business that happened. Um, I got heart choke comboed out in uh, in one of my games in the quarterfinals, um, and I had kind of written that off as a concept just because it can't, it's not really good enough to hack it on the ladder anymore. But um, in the sort of constrained removal environment of the of the budget format, uh, it can be extremely good uh, in uh, in a wall night deck that can keep its powder dry until there's an opening for the combo. Yeah, I think if I had one thing to do over again, I would have gone a little bit heavier on removal tricks. In that, making sure I have like four disco butts in case a pod father comes out, or making sure I hold on to that alien ooze instead of mulliganing in a way because. 
there were some times in those games when drawing one of them would have gotten me right back in it, and, you know, instead I would draw my third grave lane, and that is just a, a real bad feeling while your opponent stacks their field. Yeah, I mean, it, oftentimes in, in, in tournaments like this where everybody's skill level is, like, relatively flat, like, everybody knows what's going on, um, metagame calls like that can can really make the difference. Um, and, you know, someone someone is going to make the right choice, you know, with someone's going to zag when everybody else zigged. Um, and it seems as though Dad Vader has done that, uh, and so congrats to them. Yes, congratulations, and uh, good luck to you on your third place match if that ends up happening while we're recording. Oh yeah, um, yeah. That's um, I. I still have to play uh, for either third or fourth place with the other player who lost in the semis. Um, haven't been able to get together with them yet, but I might even do it later today. And so, like, who knows? Perhaps I'll record some solo thing or whatever, like tomorrow afternoon and you can splice it in or just like we'll talk about it next week next week which is like holiday season so um it's probably going to be a relatively constrained show then um like you know we're doing a bunch of stuff this week but next week we're probably just going to do like listener mail you know maybe something short because because you'll be traveling and i'll be busy yes i'll be holed up in my grandmother's house and i'm sure i'll have all sorts of questions to ask about what i'm doing what a podcast is and why i spend so much time looking at my phone <laughs> Does your does your family know what what podcasts are? Does your family know you do a podcast? No, I have not come out to them as a podcaster yet, but I'm planning on doing it when everyone's around. Okay, I told everybody. I was like, "You, me, I'm Mr. Podcast Guy, guys," uh, and they're like, "Yeah, that's cool." Uh, okay, um, so we've uh, been skimping out on card of the week for a little while. So we're going to talk about three this week. First will be the uh, current uh, card of the week, which is Jolly Holly. Another former cash shop card uh, is a Smarty plant. It is a five mana four one with amphibious, and it says when you play it, freeze the zombies next door. So it's a five mana four one that freezes two zombies, but not the one that it's facing. I think this card is okay. This is definitely not super powerful, but um, I think that it like in the best case scenario, it trades with whatever you put it in front of and then the two things you freeze just get killed by whatever they would be fighting and so in its best case scenario this is a cherry bomb that costs one fewer mana uh and in a different color or in a different class uh so what do you think about it mike well i bought this card when it came out because freeze decks were something that i was still running a whole bunch of when i was new because it's a very accessible to new player archetype and you know since i didn't have winter melon or, or things like that this seemed like a good high-end card to put in there and it's all right. I don't play a lot of freeze decks anymore, but I put it in pretty much every freeze deck I make. It's very fragile. Having one health is something that really turns me off of a card, but of course, like, the body is secondary to the idea of freezing two things at once. Um, I will often feel real dumb every time I accidentally play into my opponent's Jolly Holly, and, mm, like, like yeah. things like lane policing in that way like thinking about what's going on the in the adjacent lanes is a level of thinking i don't really do that often in this game but i do like that that uh, pvc heroes goes there occasionally yeah occasionally is the right word it's not a very common mechanic you know you've got the stuff that attacks there and next door seems like there's some some like next door stuff uh in in set four coming i think but um otherwise uh, the positionality of of what you're doing doesn't really matter as much as like what you play in front of what. Uh, so I think a good way to think about this card is um, is look at the what you get for the mana cost. So so iceberg lettuce is one mana freeze a thing. You're getting two of those, so that's two mana. 
and then um, the closest thing we have to a 4-1 vanilla, uh, which is what this effectively is, it has Amphibia, so it's a little bit better than vanilla, but Zapricot is a 4-2 vanilla, and that costs 3. So a 4-1 is like a little bit less than 3 mana, and then Amphibious like bumps it up a little tiny bit. So this is like very on rate. You know, you're not you're not really cheating on mana like you are with the cards that we're going to talk about next. And so like at its baseline, this is a very very fair card. Um, and given that it is then situational, um, it only goes in certain decks, and you can only get the max value out of it when the board looks a certain way. Like the average case of this card is like slightly below fair. Um, because, you know, if everything was firing on all cylinders, five mana would be a fair price to pay for this card. Um, but since it's going to be, you know, a little bit, it's going to be a little bit less effective than it otherwise would be, you're really getting probably three, maybe four mana worth of value out of it. Um, which is like, okay, um, I would probably play like a two of or whatever in a deck that was trying to do freezy stuff. And I guess like if you really need a four power thing in the water lane, you can use, you can do it for that as well. I think the fact that at this point, I now have a couple of Winter Melons. Makes this uh, not as shiny as it used to be, because Winter Melon gives you that consistent freeze-every-turn aspect of it. But it is pretty cool to trigger a Snowdrop twice with one card play. Like, sure. that is a, a really good way to, to get things up fast. And, you know, even on turn 6, playing a Snowdrop and then dropping a Jolly Holly in, in some lane to protect the Snowdrop and let it get in a free attack is a really nice swing. Yeah, it's a good card for an all-right archetype. It fits really well with things like Winter Squash. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it's like, true. You know, it's it's fine. It's it's a berry, so sometimes you get it out of high-voltage current, which that'll mm-hmm. really surprise your opponent if you're playing it in, like, Solar Flare or something. Oh, definitely. Uh, yeah, this card's pretty good. Our next card is one we've talked about a little bit before. It's the Exploding Fruitcake. It's the cash-only card in the store right now. It's a two-mana gourmet party trick for the crazy class and it does seven damage to a plant and then the plant gets to conjure a fruit card um now that this has been out there i've been getting real mad every time i you know face a professor brainstorm or someone who drops this on (laughs) me like this this is a really really heartbreaking card because you know you think about all of the other things like you know okay this thing is too strong for final mission or you know, they don't have enough mana for rocket science or whatever, and they just throw the fruitcake down and take out whatever big threat you're putting up there. Have you seen this card much yet, Taylor? Uh, yeah, I've uh, I've I've not bought it. I don't really intend to, just because I I can't really afford it right now. But I um I've seen it a lot, and I've certainly thought about it a lot. You know, it's it's come up on tangents on this show a number of times. Seven damage basically just says kill anything. You know, there's very few plants that this doesn't get. And uh, seven, especially, is the magic number for killing Wingnut, which otherwise dodges rocket science. And uh, so, so this definitely seems like if it's if it's meant to be a metagame sort of rebalancing card, uh, Wingnut is is what it's trying to target. Conjuring a fruit, it's kind of hard for me to evaluate how good that is. I mean, like fruit is definitely a pushed tribe. You've got stuff like uh, Captain Cucumber in there, but like we've said previously, like Barrel of Barrels has has really taken the big, strong uh, plant stuff down a peg. And so um, I think that this is definitely worth way more than um, than two. You know, like if this costs three or – I mean, if it costs three, it would basically just be another rocket science. Um, but dealing seven damage to a thing I think is like totally solid as a removal spell. 
I mean, there's not much more to say about it. It's it's really good. If you're building a crazy mid-range deck, um, I would certainly put it in there. I don't think it would go in an aggro deck so much because you're drawing them a blocker. Um, but, you know, if you're trying to... Certainly if you're trying to do bonus attack stuff, like, this is a great metagame call. Yeah, I think this is a phenomenal phenomenal card, especially for Zemek, who already has ways of getting rid of a lot of tiny dudes, and this complements things like Rolling Stone very well, as well as the the uh, superpower tricks, which can only do three damage. This is a really useful tool for for propping Zemek up. I think we'll be seeing more Zemek coming up as more people get this card. Yeah, I think that this once when this becomes uh, craftable with um, with Sparks, that this is going to be one of those aspirational things like. Um, like Leprechaun Imp or whatever, that it'll be like the best like Professor Brainstorm trickster deck or or something like that is going to have, you know, two exploding fruitcakes in it just to to be a metagame thing. So I'm I'm looking at what the fruits are. And so the like really, really high impact fruits that they can get off of this is uh Tactical Cuke, Cornucopia, uh Ketchup Mechanic, Shooting Star Fruit, Winter Melon. Uh, Dark Matter Dragon Fruit, uh, Captain Cuke, and then some other like slightly less impactful stuff like um, Lava Guava or um, Gravity or the um, Guacodile and like you know some other kind of roll fillers within there like Chili Pepper. And so you know they can definitely get something really good off of this, but like two mana is enough to like kill their thing and develop your board. So like the tempo hit on this is like quite strong. Um, and if, and if you're like putting pressure on them and killing them, um, even if they get like a dark matter dragon fruit, they're probably going to die before they can play it. And so, you know, that's why I said this, the conjurer fruit is kind of a hard thing to evaluate because they might get something great, but they might also just die. Yeah. And this is also a very good way to quickly take out a Picanolith, you know? Oh, sure. Yeah, that's right. If you leave yourself two mana left over and they drop down the Pecanolith and they're ready to kill you that turn, you're just like, oh, no, you don't get that card anymore. Enjoy your Spineapple. Yeah, that really wrecks Pecanolith. Uh, or like, well, that would really wreck a Pecanolith player's board as well, like, you know, getting your Pecanolith killed by, like, a Rolling Stone, just like, not only does it suck like and feel bad, but the rest of your board is just garbage. You guys got, like, some garlic, maybe, like, a walnut, and, like, you're suddenly just doing nothing. And, uh, yeah, so I would I think that um, this, is, uh, this is definitely well-positioned to deal with Pecanolith as well. Our last card of the week is the ticket grind from last week. It is Unexpected Gifts, another super Christmassy appropriate card. It is a three-mana crazy card. It's a party trick, and it says conjure three event cards, and then the plant player conjures one event card. So it's following that same archetype of crazy cards, giving the plant player a card at the cost of giving yourself a whole lot more value. Yeah, I think that this is um I think this is quite good. Certainly the in addition to event cards just being strong, this says trigger your dino roar three times. Um and uh, we've got a deck coming up that'll that'll talk about that. The the normal rate for drawing three cards off a trick is uh triplication, um which is in a different class and uh pretty much only gives you creatures, one of which is like guaranteed to be relatively low impact like there are some high impact imps for you to get but like generally you conjure like a small card a medium card and a big card whereas like you could get three busted cards off of this i think it's going to go great in professor brainstorm it does fill your hand up you know so like if you if your hand's full of 10 cards and they like you can't block or whatever then like 
can have kind of an embarrassment of riches in that case, but those event cards should be getting played out because they're probably going to be strong. Yeah, there, there are not a lot of decks I would run four of this in because zombies in general have so many ways of drawing and conjuring cards as it is. You do run into that full hand problem, especially if you're running something like Dr. Spacetime or like Zombie Middle Manager, stuff like that. But there's some... Oh, real... yeah, that's right, Dr. Spacetime. Dr. Spacetime makes all the cards one cheaper. Yeah, I, I'm, um, I'm going to talk about that some in the Infinity deck, but that's... Damn, that's, that's really good. <laughs> There, there are a lot of very good event cards, and like it can, it can even give you another unexpected gifts, which is probably not what you want because by then your hand is almost certainly full. But you know, yeah, you, right. you can, you can get things like going viral, which will completely change how things are, or, or even like secret agent to you know, like things cards that give you off class strong cards are really impactful. Like you know, giving yourself a defensive end or. Event cards in general tend to be very strong, probably in general stronger than the average super rare. So giving yourself three of them at a time is a pretty good guarantee of getting decent value from your from your card instead of triplication, which has that variance of, oh no, I got a swabby. I'm looking at the zombie event cards now, and uh, more of them than I, than I would have estimated do kind of skew on the small side. Um, so there's a lot of stuff like Gargologist, Imp Throwing Imp, Turkey Rider, um, Leprechaun Imp, stuff like that, that like could be too small to really make a difference in the mid game. And so that is certainly relevant, but I think you've got enough heavy hitters in there, like Kitchen Sink Zombie, King of the Grill, Defensive End, all that nonsense, um, that, uh, that this is going to be quite an impactful thing. And, and, um, the card pool that this is available to, to draw from is only going to get bigger. I mean, I guess we don't technically know that because um, they are starting to repeat event cards and stuff. Um, but I got to imagine we'll see new ones at some point. Uh, yeah, so I think that this, outside of its Dino Roar synergy, is very good just on rate. Um, and the fact that there's a bunch of Conjuration shenanigans, Dino Roar shenanigans, um, that this is like definitely a card that fights above its weight class. And I uh, hope you got a good number of them because I think it's going to go in a lot of decks. Yeah, including the deck we're going to talk about next. Uh, okay, for our deck of the week this week, um, we've got a deck of yours, Mike. Uh, it is a uh, Infinity deck called Frank the Tank. So tell me what's going on here. Well, Frank the Tank apparently is a reference to a movie I've never seen. It's just kind of one of those rhyming nicknames that I've heard and thrown around, like various athletes being called that. But I guess yeah. in Old School, which is a Will Ferrell movie I haven't seen, there was a, a meathead jock type named Frank the Tank, and... It's named Frank the Tank because of Tanklosaurus, one of the kind of overlooked legendaries of the latest set. The the wild dinosaur that does two damage randomly to a thing each time you draw a card. And I've been playing with this deck for a while. I've, I'm a little surprised that I haven't gotten a chance to share it earlier because I think it's a very good deck. But uh, now that Unexpected Gifts is in there, this is a perfect match for that. So I, I threw in two of those because... Like I said in the last segment, there are already an embarrassment of riches of ways to generate cards that, like, like Dr. Spacetime, when played right, will get you so many cards in a game just on its own. Yeah, two, two is the right number, I think. Yeah, and, you know, if you have Dr. Spacetime out and then follow it up with an Unexpected Gifts, because it's really hard to kill Spacetime on turn two, mm -hmm. like, you just immediately get three cards that are one cheaper and you know maybe you'll get a zero mana secret agent to secret agent your space time and protect it yeah but yeah there's a, a lot of really good things like disco knot is phenomenal it 
it fits in so well. It this Conal hits every creature in the entire deck. It does. Yeah, I even went and crafted a second Space Cowboy for this deck because Space Cowboy is phenomenal, and I'm probably not going to buy any more Galactic Gardens packs anytime soon. Like it, it hits that three bullseye. Earlier today, I had a game where I just won because I was able to do nine damage bullseye on turn four. God, that's so gross. It is, and you know. It, since you're infinity, you sometimes you get that give a creature plus three attack superpower, and Space mm-hmm. Cowboy wears that pretty well too. They're like Line Dancing Zombie is phenomenal. I that was a relatively late tech in, but it's just so good for keeping your opponent off guard. Like that that's the only gravestone card in this deck, and it's one that people don't really expect because the yeah. cards where it immediately moves throw them off and it leads to a lot of uh gravestone mind games which i really enjoy doing this is uh archetypally certainly a laser base alpha deck as well there's a lot of creatures with big butts that that will you know survive a single attack so that you can get multiple cards out of that you also have stuff that deals damage all over the board so you've got tankalosaurus like you said you've got um fire rooster but then you also have gizzard lizard like Gizzard Lizard replacing a thing on a Laser Wraith Alpha wipes the whole board, yes. just like the ninja guy does. Yeah, that, um, that is a and... wonderful trick. I'm I I love doing it. It is such a nice trade, and that's part of why I got the Disco Knots in there because even just holding on to like a quick draw con man or a Disco Knot as a as a one mana fodder for a deadly Gizzard Lizard is still a huge swing in value for you. Totally, yeah, yeah. The um uh, the the Disco Butts I put in for this season because so many people were running Bean Shadow that I just didn't have a way to reliably kill Admiral Navy Bean otherwise. That's going to kill uh, Lily of the Valley, too, coming up pretty soon. Ooh, yeah. It's going to be one, too. Yeah, I I don't know. Like, I think I'll probably still run four Quick Draw Con Men when it becomes a 1-3, even though it Yeah, I just, certainly would. It'll die to Berry Blast, but, you know, oh well, lots of things die to Berry Blast. Yeah, it's still it's still a completely amazing creature, and I mean, not that it really needs any help, but um, it does cause unexpected gifts to deal them one damage. It's true. Yeah, frozen mustache is something like if you don't have space cowboy or whatever, and you you need something to put in there, you know, throw a couple more frozen mustaches in there because that you know one mustache cards are pretty good. Like you know, sometimes you get kitchen sink zombie off of it, and that just feels real all kinds of dirty, but. It's also nice in that it will stop a an aggro solar flare strike through. Like frozen mustache is the like it's a way to keep that elderberry from getting lethal on you until your stuff in the later lanes can attack, and that's real nice. Yeah, some um, something that I do notice here. Not I mean not that I think it's a problem, but that th- this deck really does have a dearth of spell based removal. Um, I mean you've I mean well that's not what I mean. The deck has like. The deck has no spell-based hard removal. Really, the closest thing to that is um, is Frozen Mustache. Everything else really requires you to have a creature around. Like so, Barrel of Barrels makes the thing deadly. Final uh, mission makes you sacrifice a creature. Laser Base Alpha does a bunch of awesome stuff, like we were just saying. But you need to have one of the creatures that goes wide. And um, so, um, something like just a tempo play, like uh, like Frozen Mustache, really kind of fills in a gap there. This deck relies a decent amount on getting extra bodies from all your conjures you know those those tricks do require something to equip it to and a lot of times like especially with dr space time on laser base alpha that is like a such a tried and true combo for this deck and Mm -hmm. 
like getting that body and making it cheaper and just being able to fill your board with little throwaway guys and, you know, saving up for the big Tankalosaurus turn or whatever. It's real nice. Uh, Disco Knot is, is tricky in that when you play it, you probably have to, like, protect it really well. Like, you mm-hmm. you almost never jot it out on turn one. You oh, know, never. You know, earliest maybe you'll play it on turn two and then play the, the Infinity Superpower to give the little 2-1 bullseye. But that is definitely a a later in the game card. I yeah, I, I I like to just hold up a removal spell with that anyway. Like if you've got uh if you've got a deal two damage and the disco knot, like I will just wait until turn two to play the disco knot so that I can shoot a thing to keep it alive. Yeah, for sure. Just like as a matter of course. Yeah, the only the only like quick draw con man is your turn one play all the Absolutely. time. But that other than that, you can you can hold off a little bit. But yeah, this deck is really good. I'm I'm already rank forty three, I believe, and this has been the primary deck I've been playing. Yeah, in, 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 Infinity Rules. And, like, I understand that things like Brainy Cards and Stompadon get a lot of attention for being super OP, but this deck is pretty bonkers. Yeah, and I mean, and there's some, there's plenty of bonkers cards you're not even playing. Like, you know, like Toxic Waste Imp, you know, staple of Infinity decks everywhere, or Imposter. You know, there's, like, Imposter is a one-drop you can play on turn one that conjures a thing. Um, you know, and so like it kind of goes right in with what this deck is trying to do, but like you don't have room for them because there's so much crazy stuff here. You know, there there's like a world where I would shave maybe like a like a line dancing zombie, maybe like a barrel of barrels for like just a little bit more, just like stuff to have on the board for um for gizzard lizard replacement purposes. Um, but like I'm not gonna argue with the numbers this deck is putting up, and and the fact that every card in it is great. Yeah, absolutely. This is definitely one of those decks where I have a really hard time trimming it down to 40 cards because there's so many different crazy options I can go through. Like that professional ninja guy who does deadly to everything on yeah. Laser Base Alpha. Like, I couldn't even fit that guy in here anywhere. Like, you know, Fire, Fire Rooster is probably one of the ones that I'm closest to taking out, but... It, I, I can't bring myself to do it because of that extra that extra laser base alpha synergy for that too is nice. Like, oh, you played a Briar Rose. All right, I will I will trade my rooster for that no problem. It also uh, hoses beans real good. It does, but it can't touch the water ones, which is why I put the disco butts in there. Sure. But yeah, this is a good deck. Yeah, no kidding. Tank like Tanklosaurus, sure. I wish I could have opened, you know, a, a couple of Lima Pluridons or whatever, but Tanklosaurus is a fine card, and if you get on, definitely don't grind it up. There's a very fun deck waiting for you here, and I saw recently uh, Fry did a, a Professor Brainstorm Tanklosaurus deck, which revolves a little more around drawing and, and doing the damage, but the fact that you can give this deadly just... It, it is Tanklosaurus in its best form. Yeah, and Barrel of Barrel even draws a card to, like, just get the get the extra value right away. And, I mean, like, um, in some previous episode, I think we I, I ranked um, the, like, the legendary dinos as from set three being, like, Stompadon's number one, Tankalosaurus's number two, and Mondo Bronto's number three. Um, I think that there's enough stuff that synergizes with Tankalosaurus that it is, like, still probably behind uh, Stompadon, but, like, not by a lot. You know, like, this Tankalosaurus is very clearly, like, has synergy with basically every other card in this deck um and and every other card in this deck is like good on its own so you know like it is it's a very good team player 
and the rate is fine. Like four mana two six is like if you need to just block, like you can totally just block. Um, and uh, and yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah. Also, having Doctor Space Time in there is a really huge engine that makes all of this go, and it also works as a wonderful lightning rod if your opponent is playing the three mana mallet trick. Like they're probably going to use that on space time, which means that you can get Tanklosaurus out there, knowing it's going to be a little bit safer. Or Space Cowboy. Mm, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's there's just um, this deck uh, applies pressure in a lot of different ways, um, and um, and that is the hallmark of a good deck. Yeah. Frank the Tank. Uh, okay, so time for the second edition of Class Warfare. I think uh, we're going to alternate between uh, zombie and plant classes in that way. So this week we're doing Megagrow, uh, which is the one of the first plant classes that new players get access to. And it does a whole lot of stuff. Uh, so uh, the, the outline of how this is going to go, we're going to talk about what the class is good at, uh, what it's bad at, what it's good and bad against. Um, and then what our favorite heroes are and what our um, what we would recommend a new player craft, like a good way to spend your sparks. So uh, obviously it's right there in the name. One of the best things that Megagrow does is uh, is buff stuff. So it, plants that make themselves bigger and spells that buff the plants. And this borrows right from the magic color pie in that green is the color that makes the numbers on all the creatures bigger, right? Yeah, for sure. This is very this is a very green. Um, kind of set of things here. It's, uh, similarly with green, Megagro doesn't get direct removal. Like, in magic, you get to fight stuff. Um, like, you know, a creature does damage to another thing, and then in this case, you get bonus attacks. So you got cards like um, Plant Food. Um, you got Double Strike is is completely in faction for Megagro. That's like the way that you're, you kind of reach out and, and deal extra damage with your creatures is because you just make them fight again. It also has a kind of sneaky pseudo removal in moving stuff around so you got cards like banana peel and sweet pea and whip vine that will free up an open lane for your big buffed dude to attack while some other creature deals with whatever was in its way right that's megaro is primary in that some some other factions get access to that with stuff like hot date and things um but uh certainly megaro gets the best versions of that like banana peel and um sweet potato are like the cheapest ways that you're gonna end up doing that it also got uh, the one plant card that gives untrickable. So Umbrella Leaf gives untrickable. I think that um, probably if if untrickable sticks around in the game, which is not uh, guaranteed, um, that uh, that Mega Grow is going to be kind of the untrickable faction. That like Magic gets that same kind of thing. You got like Shroud and Hexproof and stuff in Magic, and um, protecting your big fat creatures from removal spells is something that the big fat creature faction usually gets to do, and so. Um, and so Megagrow does that in this game as well. So the most obvious and prominent tribe that Megagrow has going for it is P. Like, most of the P cards are Megagrow, and it is, of course, very iconic with this game and with the first hero you get. So it makes sense that the first hero you have would ac- have access to all of the famous P cards of Plants vs. Zombies. But it also has the Leafy tribe, which is not nearly as big, but as growing considerably so you get like things like cabbage pult which is a very early on lesson of mega grow cards having good stats for their cost because you play it on heights it becomes a 2-4 for only two mana and that's excellent but umbrella leaf is a leafy card and things like double mint and bamboozle are also leafy so i wouldn't be surprised to see a conjure a leafy card thing come up in the future 
Oh yeah, so certainly there's um there's leafy support in uh, in set four. If you look at those spoilers, there's like I think there even is a thing that conjures leafy cards. Uh, so and more on the tribe thing. Uh, Mega Grow is kind of secondary in beans, so most of the beans come from Smarty, um, but uh, Mega Grow gets some some notably be- some beans that are pushed quite hard. So you got uh, Black Eyed Pea, um, you got Moonbean. Um, is there another one? I feel like there's another one. Click Pea. Oh, Click Pea, of course. Holy crap. Um, yeah, so Click Pea, everybody's event card that they love to hate, um, is a bean and a pea. That's certainly something that's going to be on your radar if you're building a tribal deck um, as a um, as a Megagro player. Something that Megagro does have um, is kind of combo build around me. So um, uh, if you uh, paid attention to our coverage of that tournament that we were both in, Repeat Moss was kind of like the name of the game. That was one of the best decks in the format. Repeat Moss is one of the best things to be doing as a as a Megagro player on the ladder. Just like your deck has a combo and you build your whole thing around it. So then you've also got stuff like Pod Fighter, Potted Powerhouse, Doubled Mint, um, even Onion Rings is kind of a combo build around me in a way. And so, um, yeah, and then some support cards for those combos like Great Power and Banana Peel and, uh, and things like that. One thing that Megagrow doesn't necessarily have a lot of are uh, environments. It has two of them, and it's very, very stark in the the divide between the cheap environment and the expensive environment in that, you know, you've got your coffee grounds, which only cost two and gives things double strike, as we said, was a mega grow only thing. But you've also got uh, the red plant it, which is the big, huge five mana give plants here plus five plus five. That seems really cool, but nobody plays it because playing a five mana plant environment is just asking for trouble. Yeah, that's that's just the structure of the game makes that not really go super far. One of the other things uh, that that kind of leads into is that um, Megagro gets a little bit of team-up, but it doesn't really get a lot of it. So uh, Banana Leaf notably has it, and then some some support stuff like Torchwood and Sweet Potato have it, but that, like, strong-statted creatures that have team-up are not in the in are not in um, Megagro's section of the color pie. Um, the, that is more of the, the domain of um, Smarty and Guardian and even Kabloom, um, Megagro kind of is like left in the lurch in that way. No amphibious cards either. Like That's th- true. This is just one of the colors that amphibious is not available in yet. Although, is the upcoming lily pad a green card? I I want to assume it is because it, it, the lily pad itself is green. Yeah, it's also I think it's leafy. Um, so yeah, I would assume so. It would be really. I mean, I could see it being a smarty thing, um, just because it's kind of like it's a one-two punch in the way that a lot of smarty things are. Um, but uh, it wouldn't surprise me if it was Megagro. Something that Megagro gets all of, uh, interestingly enough, is bananas. Um, so uh, there are three banana cards in the game, and uh, and Megagro's got all of them. So we got banana peel, like we said. Um, we got banana split, which is an event card. That's that's okay, I guess. Uh, and then it's got banana source rex, which is super strong. You know, where's the buffs that Megagro does uh, very well? You know, it's got double strike. Has it had Dino Roar before? It was cool. And yeah, so so bananas um, are. Like, one of those tribes that kind of flies under the radar, but um, the banana cards are all quite good. Yeah, and in the upcoming set four, we're getting the tokens from Banana Split. Which, uh, yes. Which will have, like, a give all the bananas in your hand plus one attack or something like that. So, <laughs> yeah, banana some... decks coming soon, maybe. Yeah, well, I mean, certainly that, that that's meant to combo with Bananasaurus Rex, really. Um, you know, like, Bananasaurus Rex... Bananasaurus Rex is a build around me. It's kind of in the way that onion rings is where it's like, you know, onion rings is meant to 
play it in a deck full of weenies and all your weenies get big. Um, Bananasaurus Rex says, play me in a deck full of buffs and then all your buffs are twice as effective, just like Doubled Mint, um, where, you know, like it's not like a combo in the nature that like um, Repeat Moss or Podfighter is, but it's a combo in that like it takes cards that are normally like, you know, maybe a, a B minus B in power level and makes them an A plus when you get to use it twice. I would think of Bananasaurus Rex as more of a splash card that would just make pretty much any Mega Grow deck it is in better. Like, it costs four, so it works as, like, a high end for an aggro card. And, like, on 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 value, it is still a very phenomenal card. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's fair. It's, it's, it's pushed hard enough that it really kind of does everything. Um, like, you can build around it, but you certainly don't have to. You know, like, obviously, there's um, something that I, we haven't really uh, touched on much in this podcast is um, something that I like to steal from magic, which is the player archetypes. So, you know, you've got like Timmy is the player that like wants to just play giant creatures and like, you know, like the, the card that costs 10 that, that deals a million damage to everything or whatever. That's a very Timmy card. Uh, and so this is, this is definitely the Timmy class, you know, like red planted is like the Timmiest card in the whole game. Espresso Fiesta is a totally Timmy card. Um, and so, you know, like just making stuff big is something that a lot of players want to get out of card games like this. And Mega Grow is the place you go to do that. All right. So what is Mega Grow bad at stopping? Like what what out there can just ruin Mega Grow's day? Um, well, the fact that the creatures are so big means that Deadly hits it harder. So um, some giant double striking thing that you put a bunch of buffs on. Uh, folds pretty bad to Barrel of Barrels or uh, Cosmic Imp. So that, like, sneaky decks that are trying to exploit Deadly, like the deck that you, we just talked about a few minutes ago, are going to take a pretty big bite out of Mega Grow decks. Yeah, and we don't see this as much anymore, but it used to ruin my day if I would, you know, put a whole bunch of cards into buffing something up and then having a Pogo Bouncer come out and just return it back to my hand. Because, you know, oh, then sure. not only is it not on the field anymore, but I just lost however many cards worth of buffing I put into it. So it's bad against that kind of stuff, the sort of, like, the deadly and bouncing type ways of getting card advantage. It's also, its lack of removal means it's bad against things that are out of its reach. So, like, Zomblob or the Valkyrie thing, it doesn't really have any proactive ways to deal with that. And, um, I mean, that that's, those are relatively uninteractive strategies anyway. Um, but, like, you know, being able to have efficient removal spells that kill all the stuff that your opponent leaves behind to make them have to work harder to get their Zomblob um, is a way to have some game against a Zomblob combo, and Mega Grow is not one of the classes that gets to do that. It also has no answer for Gravestones, and like that, that will also ruin any kind of bonus attack strategy you have going. Like If you're worried about Espresso Fiesta or Plant Food, just throw a Gravestone in front of it, and you can ward that off for a turn. That's a very good point. Uh, so what is your favorite Mega Grow hero, Mike? Well, uh, after our um, recent foray in the tournament, I don't think I can responsibly answer anyone other than Captain Combustible for the, that repeat moss deck got me more wins than any of my other decks in the tournament and my lone victory in the finals. And the Kabloom class uh, synergizes well with uh, having the all the removal spells at hand and a lot of strong creatures that wear the buffs really well. So I think Captain Combustible is my favorite, but Grass Knuckles is uh, is pretty nice too. Um, okay, so I um, am going to be uh, unoriginal and say Green Shadow. I think that Green Shadow's uh, superpowers are a very good mix of, um, of situational stuff. So it's got some stuff that's proactive, some stuff that's reactive. And um, I just like the way that the, the Mega Grow and Smarty 
cards kind of interplay with each other. I'm also a sucker for just like raw rate. And so like I really liked click P click P is still quite good, even if it's not as good as it used to be. You know, I like to just get in some extra damage with uh, split P and other things like that. You know, I, I like the kind of gameplay that um, that Mega Grow promotes. And I think that um, that Green Shadow does a good job of of doing that. And for new players, uh, we're going to go through some cards to craft for people who are just starting out and want to have the fun of, of Mega Grow and experience what it's what it's doing at its best. And for the super rare that I would suggest crafting is Potted Powerhouse, which is one of those build-around-me cards we were talking about earlier. And that's the card that, while it's in your hand, it gains extra stats every time you buff something's attack or strength. So, you know, it works as the big shut-the-door-closer that you can just slam down with, like, 10 attack or whatever. And it works really well with the the Mega Grow heroes that have superpowers that give bonus attacks, so Captain Combustible and Grass Knuckles, as I said before. Definitely. And uh, my super rare that I suggest crafting is um, not really a synergy thing as much as Potted Powerhouses, but it's just on raw rate very good, which is uh, Black Eyed P. Uh, so that's the two mana two three that is a super rare, although it didn't used to be. And it gets plus one plus one whenever a zombie trick gets played. It's also a Bean P, so it goes in both kinds of tribal decks. Um, and I mean, this is just like a very good card to play on turn two. Um, there are a lot of decks that, a lot of zombie decks that kind of want to noodle around with spells in the early game. Um, and this is a good way to punish them for doing that. It's not great against Deadly, as we mentioned, that is kind of a general weakness of the Magro class. But but it just hits really hard. Um, and it like, if you have a, um, a Black Eyed P and then like something they want to kill with a removal spell and they can only pick one of them, they have to make a bad choice each time. Because if they pick the other thing, the Black Eyed P gets big. And if they kill the P, then you got your other good card like it would successfully lightning rotted the removal spell away yeah it works it works really well for uh, making your opponent make some some plays they would rather not like sometimes you can get uh the zombie hero to play like they'll burn a weed spray just to kill black eyed pea sure and it gets out of the range of weed spray in one single other spell so like that right. that's a good way to constrain their options so then uh, my legendary card that i would recommend crafting is onion rings Black Eyed P was a um, core set card. Onion Rings is from the Galactic Gardens. It's a uh, five mana four four, and when you play it, each plant in your hand becomes a four four. This is meant to be kind of the top end of a deck that is full of small creatures, small creatures whose mana cost buys them abilities instead of stats. And so that's something like Cosmic P or um, a Sweet Potato or Captain Cucumber, or things like that, um, where, like, you get a good ability instead of a lot of power. Onion Rings lets you have both. Umbrella Leaf wears Onion Rings really nice. My pick for the legendary Mega Grow card to craft is the Bananasaurus Rex, which, as I said earlier, I think it is flexible enough that you can put it in pretty much any Mega Grow deck you want, and that'll make that deck a little bit better. I have one, and I've had one for the longest time, and... Sometimes that card alone will win you a game if your opponent doesn't have the right couple of cards about it, and that's not even including having, like, Banana Leaf to protect it. Mm-hmm. And uh, for my event card, I had a little bit of a dilemma because because uh, you were going to do Lily the Valley, but so um, I guess it's Click P, although I figure of people who listen to the show, all of you either have Click P or have 
banished Clickpea from your life. Like, there's not really much middle ground. Like, I honestly don't know how many listeners we have who started playing after Clickpea came and went. And uh, I believe it's kind of on the expensive side. It's one of the, the 2000 Spark event cards to craft. But it's still really good. Even though you can only play one a turn, playing Clickpea on, like, your first three turns is still a great way to open. And it allows you to save more of your cards for a, a later turn combo when you have more sun. Yeah, I mean, Clickpea is, Click is kind of the boring answer. But, I mean, the, the simple fact is Clickpea wins games. And it maybe doesn't win as many games as when it didn't increase its own cost. Um, but, I mean, it's just very good stats. It wears buffs pretty well. Um, it even stacks with onion rings. So when you play in onion rings, you have a click P in your hand. Let's say that click P was a three three. That click P is going to come in as an eight eight. And so that's just like that's very good. Um, and uh, as as Mike uh, alluded to, my card is Lily of the Valley, uh, two mana one three flower plant. When you play a plant on the heights, that plant gets plus two plus two. Um, that card has always been amazing. It's even going to get nerfed, and I think it's going to be amazing even still. It is just so uh, gross to play a Lily of the Valley and a Shroom for two in the same turn. You get three, man- uh, three mana in total for a Lightning Rod plus six six worth of stats, and um, you know it's great with Repeat Moss. It's great with anything that does bonus attacks. It's great with Umbrella Leaf. Grow Shroom is a phenomenal play up for that. You get the four three and the three five back to back, and that's that's a lot of stats to have that early in the game. Definitely. It's great with Double Strike. It's good with Strike Through, which Mega Grow doesn't have, and uh, and lots of stuff. So it's Lily of the Valley is just kind of exactly where you want to be. In fact, you took a little bit of a break from this game a handful of months ago, and That's true. when you came back, you asked me, okay, what, what card should I be crafting that I missed? And the first overall answer I gave you, not even close, was Lily of the Valley, and... Yeah. I, did I did I make the right call? Are you happy with oh, your yeah, decision? Oh yeah, you did. That was that was um, the the deck that I played to legend rank for the first the first time was a um, aggro grass knuckles that played like cheap stuff with bullseye, um, just like click p good aggressive creatures, um, and uh, and Lily of the Valley was just like everything I wanted to be doing. Like I could play Lily of the Valley on turn two, it probably wouldn't die. And then on turn three, I would play like, you know, a click P on some other lane and then like a juggernaut um, in on the heights and get a four four with bullseye and armor, um, you know, which is just like that's just bananas. Even after Lily of the Valley becomes a one two, um, I think that it's going to be at the top of most players list to, to craft. Yeah, it's still going to be really good. And it also I guess heights are kind of a mega grow thing too when you have stuff like Lily and Vegetation Mutation and Sky Shooter and Cabbage Pult. Yeah, it's definitely that's definitely a mega grow oh. mechanic. Yeah, I mean this is this is a new player class for a reason. It's very strong. Um teaches you a lot of fundamentals. Um so it's like here's how good stats can win you in fights and here's how good stats can lose you fights and here's how you strategically play things on the heights to get benefit out of it, and here's a strong tribe to teach you how to build a tribal deck. Um, like Mega Grow contains a lot of um, of teaching tools for players that are new to card games in general, um, and also a lot of just like very pushed cards to help you win games. Yeah, and I think it does a very good job of helping a new player transition from like a 
regular plants versus zombies mindset to the card game mindset when you have like okay here's what torchwood does in this game and like you know you remember how torchwood worked in the previous game like okay this is what powering up your p shooters looks like in card game form and it handles that really well definitely um like this this game does a great job with flavor overall but i mean like you know, if you played Plants vs. Zombies 2, which is probably where you came from, you know, you know what plant food is. And um, the pea shooter being adorable is like one of the things that propelled Plants vs. Zombies to stardom. You know, like there's there's plenty of uh, of cute art in the Mega Grow class and, you know, lots of lots of fun gameplay for for all different uh, kinds of of game players. Is that it? I think that's it. I think so. Do you want to do you want to spoil slash decide what we're going to do for our next class warfare yeah i was gonna let you decide since i've picked the last couple ones okay how about crazy next time sure yeah okay well that is gonna wrap it up for episode 13 of shroom for two happy holidays everybody thank you all for sticking with us sorry i didn't get to play my um my final bit of the tournament uh yet but um we should have that ready to go for next time We've also been uh, skimping on listener mail for a while. We've got some listener mail in the queue that uh, we haven't gotten to yet. We're going to do some listener mail next week uh, since it's going to be actual holiday time. Um, We're going to be treading a little bit light as far as preparing for the show. Uh, So uh, we'll get to the the rest of the listener mail then. But if you want to send us some, uh, you can send it to shroomfor2podcast at gmail.com. And if you want to go and see our previous episodes or some of the past decks we've highlighted, you can visit shroomfor2.com. That's right. And uh, now we're starting to put stuff on our YouTube channel. So our, I believe our YouTube channel is just Shroom for Two, right? Shroom for Two Podcast. It's the same. Shroom it, for it, Two Podcast. Oh, that's it's, right. It's, it's linked to the Gmail, Gmail account, right? Right, of course. Yeah, and uh, shout out to the literal handful of subscribers we have already. Yeah, that's right. We got four of them, and one of them's me. So you should uh, you should go out and subscribe to that. We got our tournament games up on there. Um, we're probably going to end up playing more games against each other, like over the course of just doing the show regular. Um, and so that'll end up there. Uh, we might do like deck techs. We might uh, hell. We might even like stream or whatever, like Fry style someday. Um, and so all that stuff's going to end up on the the Shroom for Two YouTube. Or maybe even put up the podcast episode with like a picture of some art. But probably not really. I've never understood podcasts that do that. Yeah, I I don't really get it either. I think it's it's so like people can listen at work, like if they don't block YouTube or something. Mm. Um, but uh, I don't know. I've I've not certainly I'm I'm not a fan of video podcasts and uh, just like a a podcast where you just have like the album art as a YouTube video for half an hour. Like has never really made sense to me. I guess maybe it's a way to like pad out a video account to make it look like you're churning out more youtube content than you actually are oh sure and i mean i guess it's like a it's another content source i mean like you know we we posted on reddit we've got our show we get our rss subscribers but like we don't really put the show anywhere else and i guess if it was on youtube on the reg uh like we would get a handful more people yeah we might be losing out on uh some sweet sweet uh ad revenue money that we might later get demonetized for arbitrary reasons Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I guess uh, YouTube is a place for you to put ads on your stuff. But, like, I don't know. We're not anywhere close to selling ads on this show yet. But this has been Shroom for Two. And until next time, I'm Mike. And I'm Taylor. Happy holidays, everybody. (laughs) 